Psalm chapters 110 through 113. Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. This is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. A Psalm of David, the affirmation of Jehovah to my Lord. Sit at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. This is famous because Jesus quoted it in the New Testament as proof that King David prophesied that Jesus would come. The wording in this quote shows that King David was not talking about himself. He had to be talking about the Messiah, who is the Lord. It says, Jehovah said to my Lord. Now, there's only one Lord to King David, that is God. He's using two different names for God. He calls him Jehovah, and he calls him my Lord. It basically says, The Lord said to himself, Sit at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. And you and I have a body, a soul, and a spirit. The Lord also has the part of him that came in bodily form, which is the Son, and he has the soul, which is the character of God, and that is the Father, and he has his own spirit, which we call the Holy Spirit. So the Father said to the Son, Sit at my right hand, and that shows us that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, till I make your enemies your footstool. And that is referring to the end of the world, when Jesus subdues the entire world during the thousand-year millennial reign. And it can also be referring to final judgment when Satan and all of the demons go into eternal fire. This is certainly God talking to himself in the form of the Father talking to the Son. It says, sit at my right hand, and that shows us that it is the Father talking to the Son, because the Son is the right hand of the Father. 2. The rod of thy strength doth Jehovah send from Zion, rule in the midst of thine enemies. Since the first verse was about Jesus, the rest of the chapter should also be about Jesus. And it says, the strength of God has been sent from Zion and that strength rules in the midst of his enemies. In a sense, Jesus came from Zion because he's a direct descendant of King David who was born in Jerusalem. And Jesus rules in the midst of his enemies who are Satan and all the demons and anyone who opposes Jesus. 3. Thy people are freewill gifts in the day of thy strength, in the honors of holiness, from the womb, from the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. This says that those who belong to this king will willingly belong to him, and that refers to salvation, because in order for us to be saved, we have to make a choice that Jesus is our Lord, and that we are dying to ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. We're not born into it, and we're not forced into it. It's saying that this king will rule from Zion and all of his subjects will be willing. They won't be born into his kingdom in a biological sense or in a geographical sense, but they will willingly become part of his kingdom. So this is certainly talking about Jesus Christ, because every other king who has ever lived has gotten subjects by biological or geographical birth. 
It says that they will be youthful just as the morning sun is youthful. When we get saved, our salvation doesn't grow old. It doesn't wear out. You can't lose your salvation just because you've been saved too long. For Jehovah hath sworn and doth not repent. Thou art a priest to the age according to the order of Melchizedek. This means that this king will be a priest, just as Melchizedek was a priest, in the sense that neither of them are born from the tribe of Levi. All other priests have to come from the tribe of Levi, and all kings have to come from the tribe of Judah. A king cannot be a priest, because kings come from Judah and priests come from Levi. But this king will be a priest. He will be the high priest, just as Melchizedek was a high priest in the Old Testament during Abraham's time. But Melchizedek was not born from the line of Levi. So he was a high priest without coming from the tribe of Levi. And Jesus Christ is also the high priest without coming from the tribe of Levi, because he was born genealogically from the tribe of Judah. So again, this entire chapter is talking about Jesus, and it cannot be talking about King David. None of these verses relate to King David. King David was never a priest. King David is not his own Lord, only God is his Lord. 5. The Lord on thy right hand smote kings in the day of his anger. 6. He doth judge among the nations. He hath completed the carcasses, hath smitten the head over the mighty earth. The Lord has killed pagan kings, and he has conquered anybody who is his enemy at the appointed time because he lets people live a really long time and give them lots of time to repent before he finally cuts them off. But it is the Lord who slays kings. He judges all of the nations. It's also the Lord that brings everybody to death at some point, and he is head over the earth. Now this Lord is Jesus Christ, because the Son and the Father are one. 7. From a brook in the way he drinketh, therefore he doth lift up the head. This could be a metaphor referring to when a king stops in battle to drink at a brook or at a spring, some natural place out near the battlefield. He has time to refresh himself because he is winning the battle. If you're not winning, you're not going to have time to refresh yourself. He's pursuing the enemy, which is what Jesus is doing. He will pursue the enemy on your behalf and he will win the battle. And that concludes Psalm chapter 110. Psalm chapter 111, verse 1. Praise ye Jah. That's a nickname for Jehovah. I thank Jehovah with a whole heart in the secret meeting of the upright and of the company. This is a song of rejoicing and praise toward the Lord. And some of the things said in this song are similar to things that King David expressed in other songs that he wrote. It says that he will praise the Lord both in secret, when he's alone by himself, and when he's out in the company of the fellowship or in public. We should do the same, praise the Lord in secret when we're alone, and when we're in public, and other people can hear what we say. 2. Greater the works of Jehovah, sought out by all desiring them. Even atheists and Darwinists, 
know that what the Lord has done is amazing, and they try to imitate it. There are many scientists fiddling around with DNA and other things that God created and trying to make their own creations using what he already created. They are in awe of what the Lord has done. In fact, they're obsessed with what the Lord has done. 3. Honorable and majestic is his work, and his righteousness is standing forever. Everything that he does, all of his judgments and who he is, will last forever. And when we look at anything from a butterfly to a mountaintop, it is majestic, all of his creation. 4. A memorial he hath made of his wonders, gracious and merciful, is Jehovah. The sun and the stars themselves are memorials because they keep doing what they're supposed to do every single day and every single season. All of his creation, the rivers keep going into the ocean, the grass keeps growing, the deer keep giving birth. It's a continual memorial. 5. Pray he hath given to those fearing him. He remembereth to the age his covenant. He gives food to his children. All of us can eat. It isn't because of our own doing. It's because the Lord has provided. And he remembers his covenant with everybody who fears him, meaning everybody who obeys his commandments. 6. The power of his works he hath declared to his people, to give to them the inheritance of nations. That's why we have the Bible. It's the Lord declaring his works to us. And the inheritance of the nations is what we will have in heaven if we go there. We get that inheritance through salvation, which comes through obeying his commands which are written in the Bible. Too many people claim wrongfully that obeying the Lord is works salvation. That is not true at all. Works salvation is practicing religious ordinances. It has never been defined in the Bible as obeying the Lord. Obeying the Lord has always been a requirement for salvation, both in the Old and in the New Testament. That's why Jesus himself told us to repent. 7. The works of his hands are true and just. Steadfast are all his appointments. Whatever he does is complete truth, and what he has done is steadfast. You can't really change what the Lord has done. The seasons keep revolving every single year. And even when you manipulate the DNA of plants and animals and people, it will go back to its original form once people stop meddling with it. You can't permanently alter the Lord's creation. His law presides over man's law. For instance, if you have GMO seeds and you plant them within a few seasons, if you don't use pesticides, they'll go right back to being the original seed form. We can meddle with what God did, but we can't permanently change anything. 8. They are sustained forever to the age. They are made in truth and uprightness. His judgments will never end. 9. Redemption he hath sent to his people. He hath appointed to the age his covenant. Holy and fearful is his name. He is fearful because he's the one who created hell, and he is the one who created the law that he commands us to follow. Yes, he is very fearful. He has brought us redemption. He sent his son to us to redeem us. 10. The beginning of wisdom is fear of Jehovah. 
This is a common saying in the Bible. If you want to be wise, the very first step is to obey the commands of the Lord. And really, that's the last step too, because when you stop obeying the commands of the Lord, you lose your wisdom. But to keep wisdom, you have to keep obeying. Good understanding have all doing them. His praise is standing forever. Anyone who continues to obey the Lord has good understanding, and his praise will go forever. It will be very sad for those who go to hell and they can't praise God anymore. They will be so sad. Those who go to heaven and can praise him forever will be full of joy because of that. It will be the most joyful thing that you can possibly experience in heaven. And that concludes Psalm chapter 111. Psalm chapter 112, verse 1. Praise ye Jah, O the happiness of one fearing Jehovah. In his commands he hath delighted greatly. Whoever loves the Lord loves his commands. When we read the book of Leviticus and the book of Exodus, we learned how kind the Lord is because of his commands, that obeying his commands actually makes our life more joyful, safer, more comfortable. It allows us to love others and be loved by the Lord, because his commands are totally for our benefit. It's such a pity that people think that obeying God means that you're losing. We read the law, and we learned that with every commandment we gain. Yes, those who obey his commands are very happy. 2. Mighty in the earth is his seed. The generation of the upright is blessed. Now this doesn't mean mighty in a physical sense. Those who are seed of Jesus Christ, meaning those who are his children, might have physical ailments or they might be poor, but they're spiritually rich because they have the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of God, and they have the gifts of the Spirit, which allow them to minister to others. 3. Wealth and riches are in his house, and righteousness is standing forever. And that's in God's house. Heaven is full of wealth and riches and righteousness. 4. Light hath risen in darkness to the upright, gracious and merciful and righteous. That light is Jesus Christ. His grace and mercy and righteousness is what saves us. 5. Good is the man, gracious and lending. He sustaineth his matters in judgment. Somebody who is a child of God gives willingly and makes good judgments that will help others. 6. For to the age he is not moved, for his memorial age during is the righteousness. It means that he doesn't change. When we follow the Lord, we're unchanging, just like the Lord is. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he's always holy, he's always righteous, he's always just, he's always merciful and kind and loving. And when we follow him, we adopt those same characteristics, and that's why we become unmoved throughout time, which means that people can depend on us and can trust us. 7. Of an evil report he is not afraid. Prepared is his heart, confident in Jehovah. When the storm is coming or the stock market is falling, those of us who follow the Lord have nothing to fear. We are confident that he will take care of us. 8. Sustained is his heart. He feareth not till that he look on his adversaries. 
Our adversaries are the demons that want to oppress us and attack us, but we can look on them without fear because we know Jesus will drive them away. 9. He hath scattered, hath given to the needy. His righteousness is standing forever. His horn is exalted with honor. When it says he hath scattered, it means that he shares his possessions and his wealth with others. He gives to those in need instead of hoarding it all for himself. His righteousness will stand forever, and he will be strong. Now this is talking about spiritual strength. 10. The wicked seeth, and hath been angry. His teeth he gnasheth, and hath melted. The desire of the wicked doth perish. That verse describes well what people in hell experience. Gnashing of teeth, anger, melting in the fire, and perishing. We don't want that inheritance at all. And that concludes Psalm chapter 112. Psalm chapter 113. Verse 1. Praise ye Jah. That means praise the Lord. Praise ye servants of Jehovah. Praise the name of Jehovah. 2. The name of Jehovah is blessed from henceforth and unto the age. This doesn't mean that Jehovah is the one and only name of God. We cannot pronounce his name. We don't even know how to hear his name. When Moses asked the Lord for his name, the Lord gave him YHWH, and that's the closest understanding that we can come to the name of the Lord. Nobody can pronounce YHWH because it doesn't have any vowels. Jehovah is a derivation of that. So this verse isn't saying literally that Jehovah is the name of the Lord and that Jehovah is his name forever. When the Bible says the name of the Lord, it means the spirit and the power of the Lord. In his name doesn't mean a literal name. It's referring to his spirit and his character, his truth, and his commands. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying in his spirit, which means in obedience to him. 3. From the rising of the sun unto its going in, praise is the name of Jehovah. All day long the Lord is being praised, either by babies, by rocks, by trees, by stars, by people, and sometimes even by those who don't love him. Even King Saul, who hated the Lord, prophesied in his name. 4. High above all nations is Jehovah, above the heavens is his honor. He's higher than the entire universe. I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's another expanse beyond the universe that we don't know about, but the Lord is the head of all of it. 5. Who is as Jehovah our God? He is exalting himself to sit. Nobody is like God. There is one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 6. He is humbling himself to look on the heavens and on the earth. It says that he makes himself low just to meet us, because he is so high, he has to bend down to meet us, or come down in a human form to meet us. 7. He is raising up from the dust the poor, from a dunghill he exalteth the needy. If you're sitting on a pile of poop and you obey the Lord, the Lord will exalt you. And if you are the poorest of the poor, but you obey the Lord, the Lord will exalt you. That doesn't mean he's going to make you rich, but it means spiritually you will be saved and blessed and you one day will see his face. 8. 
to cause to sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He can elevate a poor person up to royalty if he wants to. 9. Causing the barren one of the house to sit, a joyful mother of sons, praise ye Jah. He can turn a woman from being barren to having many children, both figuratively and biologically. When God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, he said it in a biological way, but the Lord also commands you and I to be fruitful and multiply by spreading the gospel so that his kingdom will grow and more people will go into heaven, and that is very fruitful. And that concludes Psalm chapter 113.